Hello and welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual. So here's your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And I want to start by asking, what's new to you, Alex? So this week I had my first full week of work ever. Yeah. Like I mean, I've worked five days in a row before, but not five, not eight hours. 40 hour. hours in a week. Yeah. So You're that a was. a grown up boy now. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, buddy. I made it though. Same thing about a year ago. So <laughs> actually almost exactly a year ago. I just had my one year anniversary at my job. Huh. Well, yeah, it was, um, it was the first couple days were a little rough, but then yesterday and the day before were pretty much fine. That's good. So yeah, it's all right. Exhausting, but I have a three day weekend and I get paid to not work on Monday. Woo! I love Memorial day. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Great. So you, I imagine you haven't been up to a lot else besides working and sleeping. Oh my, the sleeping is totally key because like <laughs> two, two of those nights I went to sleep before 10 PM. Mm, which oh my is gosh. like absurdly early. <laughs> uh-huh. One of them was at like 920. Oh my God. Yeah. I was just out. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely went through the same thing. Uh, and now now that a year later, I'm on the other side of it where I'm like, uh, you know, six <laughs> hours is fine. Six oh. hours is fine. And so, like, last night I slept for, like, 11 hours. <laughs> to catch up? Yes. <laughs> sleep Absolutely. works. <laughs> yeah, sleep's good. Well, have you have you been up to anything else? Uh, just, just sleeping? No, like... At like nothing. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I saw Deadpool too, and that's it. And I saw it by myself. Yeah. Well, that was great though. I saw that too, and it was it was wonderful. I did loved you, it. Did you see it by yourself? No, I saw it with Will. It's not the best by yourself. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> uh, I will say that I liked it a lot, but I wish they would have like broken the genre more rather than like going more with it. Yeah. Then more than rather than with I mean, it, more than the first one. Yeah, I just liked them taking the piss out of Cable the way they did. Yeah. I was very excited for them to do that because he just sort of epitomizes that like awful '90s Rob Liefeld like grim dark <laughs> phase, and I liked that they took the piss out of Rob Liefeld too. Did you catch that? No. It was that bit when, uh, like, Domino's doing all of her rad shit and, like, flipping around and everything exploding around her as Deadpool's like, you know, at very least, that power is not very cinematic and, like, all of that <laughs> stuff. Um, and he's like, that, that sounds like a power that would be invented by an artist who can't even draw feet. And <laughs> Rob Liefeld created Cable, Deadpool, and Domino and is notorious for just terrible anatomy and a at least a period of time where he was one of those artists who would like pose characters behind things. So he didn't have to draw hands and feet. <laughs> so <laughs> I really appreciated that. You got to look up like Rob Liefeld, bad art and uh -huh. you'll just get an eyeful. Oh, <laughs> real eyeful. Just all those like, insane like men made out of muscles and like women with waists smaller than their heads yeah. like mm -hmm. twisting around in insane ways there's this drawing this woman's legs are like twice as long as her torso and it's just like the most absurd thing you've ever seen in your life so so that was fun that was fun to see i think my favorite <laughs> um ongoing joke was the uh do you want to build a snowman Yentl thing? Well, and that has an extra layer because Barbara Streisand is Josh Brolin's stepmom. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So good. <laughs> Just layers upon layers of these jokes. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And today I saw Solo. I just got home from seeing Solo. How was and it? It was great. It, it was, was great. great. It was great. I love that boy. I love the boy. <laughs> He's a well, good did boy. You, did you get a chance to watch Beautiful Creatures? No, I didn't. Oh my gosh. You saw I me live tweeting. I did. <laughs> I, I did. live tweeting I at that. you 
my like well, 8 million I'm, watch. <laughs> I spent most of this week working and preparing for this episode. So oh, sorry I, I didn't get around to that. Much. Uh, I, so basically I got about halfway through the book and then it got returned on my audiobook thing. So Oh, I have half of it that I listen to. <laughs> That's fine. That's enough. <laughs> well, gosh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I've I've mostly just been doing that stuff, working. Um, I'm excited. Next weekend, I'm going to Great Wolf Lodge because it's my niece's birthday again, and we're going back, and we're getting our free <laughs> hotel rooms because of the debacle from last year. So that's fun. <laughs> Great Wolf Lodge two. Yeah, no, I'm really stoked. It's going to be so much better actually staying at the resort instead uh-huh. of like a 15 minute drive away. Yeah, it's going to be a lot better, a lot better. All right. Well, gosh, we don't have much of a preamble, but I suppose we've probably got a lot to talk about. So why don't we just get into it? Yeah, yeah let's get started. Yeah, because we want to talk about mythology and like adaptations of mythology because we both have been really into God of War recently. And then uh, that wonderful Troy Fall of a City, which I recommended on last episode. Uh, we <laughs> what, Did you end up watching the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh I was like, man, I mean, like I you know was- that the Trojan War has a bummer ending, but damn was that a bummer ending. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we all like we know what happens, but it's also like you don't really. I don't didn't really remember all the details, mm. and, and 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 some things are different from like the last version I like encountered because like in in school they give you like the G rated version of everything. Yeah, there's some bad stuff in the in the story. <laughs> yeah, it gets real dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so what I really want to talk about today, and first we'll just sort of go over our thoughts on these, because we both also, the book that Alex teased was uh, Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology. Um, you actually inspired me to finish the damn book, because I'd been in the middle of it for months, and that's my bad habit, is uh, even if I really enjoy a book, I'll like read it for a while, and then like put it down, yeah. and then I just don't go back. So I went back, and I finished it. Um but yeah, so the idea of sort of adapting myths, and especially with um, with God of War versus Norse mythology, because even though Norse mythology is an adaptation, I'd say it's a very um, sort of literally faithful adaptation of the myths. Um, you know, spiritually, well, yeah. it might, might be slightly different, but to compare the two of those and sort of the choices made in adapting and why um, that might have done, why they did it. <laughs> Why Gaiman did what he did? Or why God of War did what they did? Well, I, I will say, for the most part, with the exception of their changes, they did a really good job of being accurate, because most video yeah, games are not going to do the research. Yeah, I mean, especially compared to, like, the beginnings of the franchise with the Greek stuff. It, yeah, it, just, it was, like, it, it was surface insane. level. Uh-huh, whereas this, I think, was a very thoughtful... Uh, adaptation in that they sort of made choices where when they did deviate it was with purpose it was it was an intentional choice yeah um and and i just really appreciate that a lot like um with freya being frig um i thought that was really really interesting that god of war made that choice because historically um freya and frig kind of are the same figure yeah. Um, and it was just very late in the sort of Norse period, just before Christianization, that they diverged and became separate figures. And they they also unconfused it all because, <laughs> like, while listening to Norse mythology, I was like, I need a family tree at all times to keep any of yeah. this straight. Like, well, and listening to it as an audiobook has to be harder. Because, like, in the book, there's a glossary in the back. Oh, yeah. I, so you can was, go and, like, check. Yeah. It, I mean, it wasn't, like, impossible, but it was, like, especially, like, on my lunch break at work, like, just trying to stay focused on all the children of Loki and, like, 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I know that like I, I'm somebody who is coming at this from a different perspective as you. Um, you know, I had a bit of a head start because I've been a mythology nut for a long time. So like Greek mythology is like the back of my hand and then Norse mythology has been my more you know recent obsession. And so I, I definitely have a head start there as well. Yeah, and I'm I'm way more of a like I know the basics of all the pantheons rather than any of them in depth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean I I because at first I was kind of like, you know, when when they were like, oh Freya's Odin's wife, and I was like, nah, and then I went back and I was like, oh right, like but she kinda. and Frigg actually are the same person, and yeah, yeah there's reference to. Um, Freya's husband, um, Ulther, I think is, is what they call him. Um, but, uh, he's just an old version of Odin. It's like, they're Odin, kind of- so there's a Wikipedia page with all of Odin's like different names. There are oh, yeah, hundreds exactly. and hundreds. Yeah. Like not, not well, just and- like weird, like pseudonyms, but like actual different, completely different names for the same person. Yeah. Well, it, it was a very prolific, uh, religion like they kind of spread around and you know went different places and stuff and so there's just the sort of different cultural lenses of the character that's very interesting uh i i will say just like as like a i don't know not necessarily a critique of the gods because you can't like that just sounds like a weird thing but um they're already stupid yeah well you mean the norse gods the norse gods are idiots like yeah just like dare each other to do stupid shit well and that's interesting i mean like we were when we were tweeting about it and uh i can't remember what you said but i i had said that the norse gods are barely gods they're just strong people who punch giants and Uh and like yeah that's the interesting thing um in college i took uh a medieval lit class in which we read uh snorri strolson's prose edda which is mm-hmm. where uh, Neil Gaiman drew for a lot of his stories in the book. Um, that's oh, sort of mm-hmm. the main source text there. That's That tends to be the number one source text for Norse mythology, um, that and the poetic Edda, but prose Edda yeah. is more um, more commonly referred to. Uh, and yeah, they were, the, the teacher sort of gave us some context on these stories and the, and the way that, you know, the, the Aesir, the, uh, the Norse gods, aren't really the same kind of gods that like say the greek pantheon is you know they're not like yeah odin like built the world but he didn't like summon it out of nothing like he just took a giant and turned it into the earth like they're not like creation gods they're not you know they're just very powerful yeah and they're just they're just very powerful beings who have the means to be immortal they're not like omnipotent creatures they're not they're not gods in the sense that we might be tempted to imagine them yeah um and so that means that they're going to behave differently and certainly the greek gods behave very badly as well just in different ways (laughs) yeah yeah they're 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 smarter but they're also meaner (laughs) yeah well yeah the gods are all like they're all a little bit tricky rather than yeah, you know like Loki is just like thing. the the one who gets caught being tricky. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing. I I, feel, I find that in a lot of um, adaptations of Norse mythology, say Marvel, mm-hmm. um, it, there is this temptation and I think that it's sort of a, a a post-Christian imagining of these figures is that like Odin is the big king man best boy sort of guy and you know more of a Zeus figure and you know Mm -hmm. Thor is just this brave and valiant warrior and Loki's like the devil when it comes Um, from the renaissance when they mm -hmm. were obsessed with Greco-Roman culture so they were reimagining everything through that lens so all Mm -hmm. of the paintings of like their favorite like Nordic stories they painted them to look like Greeks. And, and not only that, um, but I think that it just within the sort of Christianized Scandinavian world, uh, that worldview was just sort of imposed upon them. These yeah. stories would be passed down still. You know, they were still the stories and the folktales of the land, um, but they had to frame them in a more 
Christian way and Loki turned into Satan. Um, when mm-hmm. really, you know, he's their friend, he's their ally, and he's just also their downfall. Like, it's it's much muddier than that. And Odin's not, you know, God. He's not, like, he's not the same sort of a figure. Yeah, he's just always in the, he's just always there. So they have a lot of names for him, because he's in every story. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that's kind of fun, you know, with, with um... Gandalf, because he's a he's an Odinic wanderer, which I, I believe is a, a term coined by um, Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he's very, very much uh, inspired by Odin, and Gandalf's got a lot of names too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only difference is Gandalf has two eyes. <laughs> he does have that, but like the the hat and the staff and the cloak, it's all yep. Odin. Wizards mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. Odin. It's great, <laughs> and Odin's the wizard. But you know what was something interesting that I had forgotten about until I went back and and was you know sort of brushing up on my Norse mythology for this episode is it's very rarely referred to, if ever anymore. But Freya has her own hall for uh gloriously fallen warriors like she's got her own valhalla and she gets half in the stories when it comes up she gets half of the fallen warriors they don't all go to valhalla nobody talks about this Hmm. like i get i get kind of why it's like why why are there two places i don't know but freya's rad and she has she gets warriors too (laughs) like she gets she gets them too i think there's just a lot of like because there are so many different tellings that people just invented new things because they're like, oh, why doesn't she get some? Or like, you know, they, they sort mm-hmm. of just act in the, the embellishment of, of spoken story, you know? Sure. Um, well, what I'm saying is the reduction of, of spoken story, though, because this, you know, the, the this place, I'm trying to remember, I'm looking it up, what the place is uh, called that Freya's warriors go to. Um, but it's mentioned in the prose Edda, but mm. it doesn't come up in adaptations. Hmm. Um, hang on, I'm just gonna look for it right now. Oh, <laughs> it might um, be here it is. Tale. No, no, Sesrumnir. Uh, Sesrumnir hmm. is uh, the goddess Freya's hall located in Folkfanger, a field where Freya receives half of those who die in battle. Huh. Yeah, and it's is it, in. Is it because of her marriage? Well, in in that's the interesting thing because um, is this the Freya that's married to Odin or not? I don't right. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in the prose Edda, um, Freya and Frigg are separate figures, and Sesramir okay. um, is mentioned in the prose Edda. So, so who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I will say yeah. that anybody that's interested in in listening to the audiobook or reading the physical book. Um, one of my favorite things is that they name literally every piece of equipment, every land, every person, like everything gets a name and every name gets a translation. And it's so satisfying. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, you know, again, where Tolkien sort of got it, you know, Tol- like we, I wasn't even considering bringing up Tolkien before, but like it, Tolkien adapted so much yeah. of Norse mythology into uh, the Lord of the Rings, with all of the swords having names and everything is called something, and you know, <laughs> like yeah. it, everything, everything has and a name. Also, so I was, I, I have not read to completion anything but The Hobbit, um, but I was in a YouTube hole as I tend to be, and <laughs> I was watching like explanations of Galadriel and all of that because Galadriel is my queen of all queens. Um, but there's even trees were the main source of all magic in in this uh in the history of middle earth so it's like there's so much being borrowed Mm-hmm. it's really true it's and it's funny because uh i was having a, a dispute with william recently <laughs> and not that recently now but about like um lord of the rings and you know what it what it drew upon and i was saying like no he really got a lot from like scandinavian lore and from Sources like um, the Volsung Saga and Beowulf a lot more than, say, Arthurian legend, even though people mm-hmm. tend to uh, imagine it more Arthurian. Uh, really, what Tolkien was drawing on was much more of the Norse 
stuff and he was mm -hmm. confused <laughs> well because because what we've seen from the movies and from the popular books it does seem a little more knights and swords rather than weird crazy magic elves and gods and all that shit mm -hmm. but you, i mean like the elves and the dwarves and all of that that comes from the Norse and like yeah. the dragons are way more, you know, like Smaug is way more of a Norse dragon than he is an Arthurian dragon. Like Arthurian dragons are just little creatures. Like they're just mon little monsters. They're not even that big. Um, they're like lion sized. Whereas, you know, the dragons in say Beowulf or the Volsung saga are much larger and more intelligent creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so one thing I didn't really get to the the end of the plotline while I was watching the playthrough of God of War, but I liked the sort of inclusion of the dragons and how they were like transformed dwarves. Oh, that was kind of interesting. Well, because yeah, that is that is in the Volsung saga. That's where um, Fafnir came from. He was a dwarf. Oh. That's that's the story. Like Fafnir was a dwarf who got turned into, uh, yeah, into a dragon because of his greed over this gold mm. so that like like that's what i'm saying like with 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 god of war like a lot of this stuff really is c drawing from these yeah. old stories and that's the much more interesting stuff like i'm trying to think of what else what i i liked I, you know i liked that jormungandr was like a good boy well, you know like you, you and think also of they the world totally just like completely twisted up his story at the same time because how do you mean he's the son of loki yeah okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know i'm really confused okay so yeah this is this big spoiler for this episode at the end of god of war it's sort of mentioned that oh you know uh atreus your mom wanted to name you loki and it's like what atreus is loki um right? and so yeah <laughs> I'm a little confused um, about all that. Now, the interesting thing is, um, God, remind me, do they mention Atreus's mother's name? No, they do mention she's a giant. Because Loki's mother was a giant, mm -hmm. and his father is kind of a question mark. Yeah. And so that's cool. It's like, <laughs> this works. This totally works. And it, um, also, even though I just sort of said it was confusing because Jorgen, or whatever, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. world serpent is, yeah. you know, full grown and, and all that. And and uh, Loki's a little boy. It's like, but that's also, time is weird. Well, there. yeah, especially Norse mythology time is weird. Yeah, because... <laughs> like... because it's all about Ragnarok, but Ragnarok is also in the past and in the future. Well, and that's the interesting. And I, w you know, I do wish that you had um, managed to get through the whole book before it went away from you, because Aww. yeah, the, the 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 final chapter of the book is Ragnarok. Um, I'll have to rewrite yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, you will. It's great. Um, or I can just loan you the booky book, but. Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, well, because that's interesting. Yeah, like, it is a cyclical thing, but it all is also sort of a, a, a new world. Like, when Ragnarok is over, like, some, like, a couple of Odin's sons and a couple of Thor's sons and are left alive, and, like, um, Balder comes back from the dead, and they kind of, and then, like, one man and one woman live, and then they, like, start a new world. Well, then what if this is the second version of... of yeah, I mean, world? who's to say, like, what's going to happen? Like, what how if, that how that yeah, cyclical because, thing happens? Yeah, cause we, because we only meet, like, four gods. In, yeah, in well, God and then you get that, um, yeah, the Thor shows teaser, up yeah, in, a, yeah. in a flash forward. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, that might explain why they're not all there yet. Or sure. I mean, or, or I mean, because they, they want to make sequels and they can't just give too, away all the gods too. right away. They right. have to just, that <laughs> there are much fewer recognizable Norse gods and they kind of have to withhold them. And it's, uh, and it's I, funny I, that they did start with the, the most recognizable. They started yeah. with Balder and I'm like, who's who? <laughs> and, but I knew it was him right away because he wasn't getting hurt. And I'm like, that's Balder. Balder doesn't get hurt. <laughs> he wasn't as beautiful as he's supposed to be, though. I will, 
I will give that criticism. Baldur's supposed to be the most beautiful boy that ever was. So, well, hmm. beauty might be different in that world. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Also, He's supposed to be beautiful Freya like the sun. Have, isn't Freya supposed to have golden hair, not red hair? Yes, she's supposed to have the most beautiful golden hair and the necklace of the Brissings. Yes, yes, yes. But, <laughs> no, but I mean, and then like, I'm fine with those kinds of things. Like, that's not the important thing about Baldur. The important thing about Baldur is that he's in, you know, invincible. Uh, and I loved the way that they did the whole mistletoe thing with it being like, that so strap I knew, on. I knew it was coming, but I didn't know how they were going to use it. And it was really good. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah, um, but I am very curious because um, I like I want Loki's other children to show up because like how can they possibly pass up the opportunity to put in an eight-legged horse? Give me that boy. <laughs> Give me my slippy boy. Also, also, we've already seen a mural of Fenrir. Right. Um, yeah. And then Hell has had a you know a resurgence in popular culture, so you can't leave out Hell. Oh, I hope that the, I hope that they make her like she is in the stories. She's so scary. She's so cool. She's half corpse girl. I love it. It's the most metal thing. Like I want to see her. And that was like the nicest thing that Odin's ever done. What was taking like, in Loki's children? Well, like hell, you get to be the guardian of the underworld. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, like you, you'd be into this, right? <laughs> she's like, I'm super into it. Right. <laughs> she's like, somebody's got to do it. I don't want to. I'm busy. And then they were just a total dick to Fenrir. <laughs> yeah, that's such a sad story. And the, I love oh. the way Neil Gaiman tells it with it being this really tragic betrayal. Actually, when he's reading it, it's almost like Tyr and Fenrir are like total, they, they're both just ready for it because they because they're well, so, sure they're they knew it was inevitable enough. yeah exactly because you can't because the way that, that the gods are portrayed is like they're total idiots and they have no idea what they're doing but they're they're also have this weird, they have this weird cyclical logic where you can't escape yeah and i wonder i mean because i wonder if that has anything to do with the the concept of weird um it's it's hard to sort of explain as a concept because it, it is a different understanding because it's it, it's often likened to like fate or destiny. Yeah, but like it's in, sort like of like yeah, but it's more than that. It's like the scope of your whole life. It's like okay. the it, it, it encompasses not only your future but your present and your past as well. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. your whole time uh it's it's a it's it's a difficult distinction to make and i don't think i fully grasp the the whole concept of weird but yeah this but it is sort of i think related to the way that the norse envisioned the you know the end of the world not being like and then it's over it's like just like a whole yeah. sort of repeating well thing. because the world was born out of nothing Mm-hmm. Oh, I love how he says it. Oh, I put that in my in my um my poem about the the, the giant because I love that word so much. <laughs> uh, the your poem about Emir? Yes. Gap. Oh, I love that word. Gap. It's a great word. There's this um there's this game, this indie game. I believe it was called Jotun, um, that Dylan uh -huh. was playing. Uh and it's just kind of like a side scrolling, like beat 'em up sort of a fighting adventure mm -hmm. game where you play as this viking lady fighting giants and one of the uh, one of the locations is called is Gunungagap and the like the narrator when he says that I just love it like Gunungagap <laughs> and I'm like Gunungagap ah, it's a great word it's a great word um, I liked the way that they kind of turned the idea of, uh, in God of War, the way they turned the idea of um, Yggdrasil, the, the world tree, into almost like a hub. Like, it's such a great concept to use in a video game. You know, like, you have, you've got yeah. the place where you, you go to to go to all of the places. And it's like, yeah, oh. Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil's and, the place that all the places are. <laughs> and, and it also completely made it make sense in a physical way. Because, mm -hmm. like, if you just read it, you're like, 
there's a tree and the roots are touching and then places around the tree and yeah and, and they're all the same time they're all like on top like what <laughs> yeah how do you do it what what yeah it's uh I, I I do really love seeing the way that people will adapt myths um, to tell different kinds of stories. Um, I kind of want to talk about Troy now. Yes. Um, oh my gosh, yes. Because <laughs> I will say again, like this is definitely the most faithful adaptation of the story of the Trojan War that I have encountered. Like at this point, you know, I've seen mm-hmm. there. There aren't a lot. There are surprisingly few. Uh, well, it's not, it's a, you know, it's a pretty sprawling a story. Under, yeah, exactly. Well, and the interesting thing is, um, the Iliad actually only encompasses like four days at the end of the war. It's basically the story of like uh, Achilles and Patroclus and Hector and Priam. It ends with yeah. Hector's funeral. So it doesn't even get to the end of the war. Like, all the other stories come from other sources. The Iliad is just, like, that one little part. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Especially <laughs> because but, it's an epic. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, especially considering the Odyssey is, like, a ten-year story. Yeah. Uh, the Iliad <laughs> is actually only a few days. Do you, but the Trojan think, War itself was ten years. Do you think these producers are going to do a, a sequel? I hope the so. Odyssey. They definitely they definitely set it up with that the final shot of the final episode being a really long hold on a close up of Odysseus's face sailing away. Poseidon's <laughs> like, just fucking pissed. Yeah. Well, he's not pissed yet. Poseidon he's doesn't not? get pissed. No, Poseidon gets pissed because Odysseus kills his son the Cyclops. Oh, okay, sorry. I just went through and browsed the uh, the wiki to remind myself, and I missed that. But I yeah, yeah. So I yeah, that's, that. what, that's what that's what got mad. Yeah, when um, God, I can't think of the, the Cyclops name right now. He's but got they, a great they, name. <laughs> yeah, what is his what is this boy's name? I don't know, but it's uh, yeah. That's why that's why Hopefully Poseidon gets they really. They're, they're getting enough production money because. The Odyssey needs way more effects than... <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. Um, well, and, and I don't know what kind of um, viewership Troy is getting. Because um, I right. definitely... Like, I decided to look up some reviews to see what other people thought. And they were not very positive. And I was really perplexed by the criticisms. I don't know, like, well, and, like, nobody is talking about it on Twitter. And it's like, I feel like it would be... Like, queer Twitter would love it. Yeah, twi- get on it, guys. Check this out. It's really good. Like, the, the criticisms that I've seen from, like, film and TV critics have been that it was, like, predictable. And it's like, uh, yeah, boy. Does it's the Trojan War. It's like, told, overtold stories yeah, like of you, all time. Like, it's a, and it, but the thing is, that I love about it is that it's such a faithful adaptation. And that's not a thing. Like, these guys are acting like, oh, there's just so many versions of the Trojan War, and this one doesn't do anything special. And it's like, there aren't, though. Like, there's the movie Troy from, like, what, a decade ago? More than, like, 15 years ago. And, like, what else? What else is there, actually? Like, what other media is an adaptation of this? Yeah. Because there's not much out there. I, I gotta say, man, I loved, I loved Achilles. He was... I loved that boy. I, I would have been completely obsessed if he didn't have that one really gross scene with Helen. Yeah, well, and see, and okay, the reason I love him, again, like, I, I find that I, I have this issue where, like, it's not for me about, like, admiring the character. Obviously, he's a bad man. Like, he's a bad man. Yeah. And Achilles should be. He was a great yeah. character. He was a yes, fabulous, was. fascinating character. And I loved watching him. I loved the parts of the show that he was in. Yeah, he was gross and scary. And he murdered a lot of people. Like, he shouldn't be a hero. He was... He was a man who wanted all of the glory he could get at, at any cost. And he's fascinating. And I've never seen him played in such a, a nuanced and sympathetic way. Like, despite him being, yeah. like, just well, icky, also, he I, was still 
understandable. The icky, scene, the icky scene, I also felt like could have also been him sort of mustering up intimidation because they have a relationship yeah, that I she's mean, comfortable I, I don't, with. Yeah. So she, he was trying to scare her, but it also scared me. Absolutely. That's what he was doing. He was, he knew exactly how to scare her because he knew what her position in life was. Like Helen is a woman who is subject to the whims of the men in her life and they have power over her. And he was able to manipulate that insecurity because she's, she can't defend herself. She knows that she can't defend herself against him. And, and that's the scariest thing. So I don't think he had any intention or desire to like force himself on her but it was advantageous to him to make her think that yeah it's very scary it was it was scary and it he he was a he him and uh patroclus were excellent together and that whole i was afraid that it was going to disappear i was afraid it was going to disappear after that beach scene uh, because uh-huh. they, there was a whole episode without any of them. Yeah. And I was like, they're gone. We're never going to see the queer <laughs> characters again. But then it was like, duh. <laughs> like Achilles. So they have to come back. That's right? the whole like, thing. Achilles has to kill some people and then die. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, and like that, that story, I mean, and I think it's because Homer wrote it and wrote it so damn well that that story between with, uh, you know, Hector killing Patroclus Achilles killing Hector and then Priam begging for Hector's body. Like that is the most incredible story in that, in that whole show. Like that's the most incredible storyline that happens. And it's just one of the most moving parts of the story of the Trojan war with Priam coming to Achilles. Yeah. And it was, it was a spectacular couple scenes with both of the actors just, it was, the writing was excellent too. It was that was mm-hmm. probably the the best part of the whole series. I think was was that because I mean, while the the Paris and Helen love thing is has re- really good chemistry, like we ultimately mm-hmm. know it's doomed. So <laughs> we're not that invested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything is doomed. Everyone is doomed. Uh... Well, okay, one thing I thought was really cool, um, because it's a part of Helen that tends to just get sort of dropped, and at least this show had a little bit of a nod to it. Mm -hmm. So um, Helen and Clytemnestra, her twin sister, who is Agamemnon's wife, um, she has that scene, that small part in this show when Agamemnon's sacrificing his daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, So those two are actually twin sisters. (laughs) And um, they were the daughters of Leda um, by Zeus. And, of course, when Zeus uh, (coughs) seduced (laughs) Leda, he was in the form of a swan. Mm -hmm. And so Helen and Clytemnestra were born out of eggs. (laughs) They're bird people. (laughs) And when Helen first shows up, she's got all those birds and she's dressed in feathers and stuff. And then the... Well, and then yeah. uh, Clytemnestra is all wrapped up in white too. Yeah, and and I, and it, it makes a really good metaphor too because the idea of her being like a caged bird, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is great. And I gotta say, man, so um, Menelaus, the the fella who plays him, uh, Jonas something or other, Jonas Armstrong, I think is his name. He uh-huh. played. Uh, he played uh, Robin Hood in that BBC Robin Hood series I love so much with Richard uh-huh. Armitage. <laughs> and so it was really weird to see him play this just despicable villain. Oh, God. He was... He uh... was good. He was good. So, um, was the way the Trojan horse went down in this more accurate? Because in other tellings, it's like all of the soldiers are in the horse. Yeah, I'm. I as I recall, this is this with like some guys coming in and then they open the gates okay. and the army. It makes more sense. Like, <laughs> it makes way more sense. Like, how are you gonna fit the entire also, Greek army in a big also, horse? Also, I did not remember the trick with the grain and the wine. That was genius. Oh yeah, yeah. There's. Uh, 
I'm, but I'm like, I'm like where did they get all that shit to decorate that horse, though? <laughs> well, they, they made it out of, like, shields and stuff. I know, but, like, the blue on the head was so pretty. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then the, magic. the trident in the forehead of it. <laughs> I loved that. Well, and that, uh, the cool thing is, um, when I was doing some research on the making of the show, um, apparently they like they were very committed to building a real horse. Yeah. <laughs> for the production, like with the 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 less than stellar, if you go back, the uh, CG horse in the film. Oh. Um, they were like, we gotta we gotta make a real horse. Yeah. This <laughs> we got we gotta make a real horse. <laughs> you did a great job. And I liked how they handled Cassandra. I felt like this show walked a really good tightrope between the like, you know, where the whereas the movie was like, we're going to cut the gods out entirely. This is an entirely mortal matter. And you can like imagine that maybe the gods are influencing things, but they're not present. Whereas in this show, they're very, very present. Um but it's not all supernatural yeah. um, in the way maybe that the that the myths are. They're a lot more supernatural. Um, with Cassandra, like she was discredited by her family with her with her prophecies. Like her parents didn't want to believe her prophecies. And so they told everyone that she was crazy and locked her away. Um, I, I thought that was a very interesting way of handling her character. I, I they I. I kind of wish they had focused a little bit more on her because I thought she was really interesting. Yeah. And especially since she's the first thing we see in the whole show. Um, yeah. But I, I, I liked that whole, like, the parents made the decision to get rid of the baby because he was cursed and all that. And that all comes from the myth. And that's a part of it. And often doesn't get, that's certainly not in the film. Like, Paris is just a prince in the beginning of the movie. Um, where, yeah, in the in mythology, he was um, cast out as a baby and taken in by a shepherd and raised as a peasant, and that and the gods came to him when he was just a peasant and made him make this choice, um, and then only after that was he found to be a prince. I love that, even though the gods are are mostly just watching in this and doing a lot of like, you know, peace be with you. Um, <laughs> it's ultimately their fault. Like they had a little, they had a cute little yeah, bet. Yeah, they did it. And they're like, oh, which of us do you want to, you know, pick? And then, then they got pissed at yeah. each other because you, you know, and because they're gods. Because they're gods. And then it escalates and escalates and escalates. Mm-hmm. And Menelaus is a dick. I mean, you know, I get him being mad, but Menelaus is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then like, it would not have escalated as far as it did if Athena hadn't been like, give me your baby. Yeah. Like, rude. Yeah, well, uh, with, uh, you mean with the sacrifice of the daughter? Yeah. Because that wasn't Athena. That was uh, Artemis. Oh, I'm sorry. I get them mixed up because the A. Yeah, no, Athena. And they're, they're somewhat similar figures. But no, uh, Artemis uh, is the, the goddess of the hunt and the oh, moon. Okay. And um, Athena is the goddess of, like, strategic warfare and wisdom. So they should have just gone to Artemis then. Or Athena, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go to Athena. Athena! Athena, help! Do you have a better offer for us, Athena? <laughs> yeah, but, oh, God, you don't want to pit them against each other like that. No, no. That never works. That's how you split That's... the earth in two. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, you don't argue when a god says, "Hey, make make the sacrifice." You don't, you don't argue. I will say this: Zeus, though, is like, it's odd that he's not getting involved himself because he, he's the literal king of getting involved. Well, I would say yes and no because again, this is the way that it goes in in the story in the myth. Um, Zeus is like, I'm staying out of this, not getting involved here. You can't make me um, because you know Zeus doesn't like he gets mixed up in his own yeah, business. Like he doesn't want to be bothered with other people's stuff. Like that's why he delegates. <laughs> He's he was the first king god of Greece to like give other people jobs like his father and grandfather were both like nope no competition don't want anybody else handling anything 
Uh, and then Zeus rebelled against his father and was like, all right, now time to delegate. I'm the king, but you all can take care of my stuff. He's the manager of the gods. You he's know? also the, so the he's like, I don't... problem causer of the gods. <laughs> he definitely does, but it's always so petty, too. Like, you know, he's just like yeah. doing dumb stuff all the time. has sex with somebody, and then their offspring grows up to be a problem. Yep, and uh, that's what happened here because yeah. Helen was his daughter. <laughs> well, and, and then I, I, I'm blanking. Who was Achilles the child of? Um, Thetis. She was a, a an ocean goddess. Okay. And she dipped him in these the pool, waters of immortality. Yeah. All but to make him. Yeah, well, yeah. He well, she held him by the yeah. heel <laughs> when she dipped him, and so just his little heel didn't go in because she couldn't get her fingers wet. Yeah, could, yeah, right. Because, like, double dip your baby. Come on. <laughs> you have to make that the episode title. Double dip your. Baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did but, love. I did love how he died, though. Yeah. It, well, it was... as, as I recall, again, that is that is more how it goes in. In the Iliad, mm-hmm. with um, him challenging Priam and then Paris swooping in and saving the day, because a lot of things like the film want to conflate that with the sack of Troy and put Achilles there, and it happens in the action, mm-hmm. um, but it happens well before the sack of Troy. Yeah. Well, I, I just like it. I think they they succeeded in making it surprising enough because we assume, just given how most of the conflicts in the show go at, up to, to that point that it's going to be head-to-head, not sneak attack by Paris. Yeah, he just comes riding up on his chariot like, I'm here! Well, yeah. and, and then and then Achilles is just distracted by his rage. Yeah, because he's so, Achilles! Right? Um, and so it's just so quick and so brutal and beautiful. It's wonderfully shot. One thing that, I, uh, that gave me a little giggle um, in this was that, because uh, you know, I'm sure you recognize the actor who played Odysseus, uh, yeah, but from where? He's Benjamin Stark. Um, Uncle Benjamin. Uh-huh. And so now uh, both Ned Stark and Benjamin Stark have played Odysseus because Sean Bean was Odysseus no. in Troy. <laughs> well, and then... <laughs> Something about those Stark boys. They just are Odysseuses, I um, guess. And then uh, Achilles, he was in uh, Cloud Atlas. And Interstellar. <gasps> oh my god i love him so much he he, did, he you, you're so right he did such a nuanced job because like he's got such range he's trying so hard to be stoic the whole time but then like his boyfriend dies and it's like <laughs> nope <laughs> nope no chill anymore exactly no more chill uh-huh but then yeah it's so it's so because you know they cast Brad Pitt as Achilles. And fine. <laughs> we can have surfer dude Achilles if you want. <laughs> but, you know, Brad Pitt's just too darn likable. Yeah, he's not scary. And, and he, he was an incredibly sympathetic and heroic Achilles. Whereas Achilles, mythologically, is a man who will do anything for glory. That's, you know, he has his pride and everything else is secondary. Mm-hmm. He went to the war knowing that he would die there mm-hmm. because he knew that he would find glory there. Yeah. And so when, um, you know, when Agamemnon's going to take away Perseus, uh, you know, all of this stuff, like Achilles is just like, hmm, nope, not going to budge, not going to budge. Like he can't do it. When Perseus is going to kill Pet- uh, Patroclus, he's just like, Mm-mm, nope, not going to budge, not going to budge. Like I will sacrifice anything for my pride. Yeah. And he, and then he ends up sacrificing his true love, you know, because yep. he's not willing to go run after him because he wants to be he's right. He's got too much pride. Yeah, he wants to be right. Yep. Which is also and, sad. And, 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 yeah, <laughs> it is. And then, like, you know, it, it was his pride again when he thought that Priam betrayed them. Like, he was like, you made this promise to yeah. me. Like, you betrayed me, and that is unforgivable. Yeah. Like, he <laughs> it's his pride. Well, and I just felt, I also felt bad because uh, Hector felt so bad 
for killing the wrong person. Yeah, he was like, like why what? was he wearing your armor? <laughs> that wasn't what I meant to do. But also, if it had been Achilles, he would not have killed him. No, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have beat him. Yeah. He would have died. And then he did. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was spectacular. Then he did. That was a great... That episode... That's episode six. That episode is just a hell of an episode. It's a lot of episode. Because that's when, like, all of the Iliad stuff happens. <laughs> well, in the scene with uh, Achilles and Hector, like, that is, like, the only scene I even care about from the movie. Troy, mm-hmm. you know? Gosh, yeah. Brad Pitt v. Eric Bana. I mean, it's it's, it's just a very big scene. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and it's because, for all, I'm, you know, poo-pooing Brad Pitt. Like, he's a great actor, and he really handles himself well in that scene. Like, he does a very good job. I like Brad Pitt. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, he's just too likable <laughs> to play Achilles. Yeah, I, uh, I I appreciated the sort of expanded roles of Helen and Andromache and their sort of interpersonal drama with each other. I, I, I also appreciated liked the that. queen a lot. Oh, Hecuba, yeah. Yeah, she was, I mean, she wasn't really a key player really in anything, but she just had some, some good uh, bits of dialogue and she was always there and she you know, had her little breakdown. Yeah, I really like that actress. I can't think of her name, but I, I really like her from the um, the film version of The Importance of Being Earnest. She played Gwendolyn, and she's very good. So, <laughs> so I, I, years fig- ago. I finally figured out uh, the purpose of that weird mustache-beard combo. Oh, Priam's weird, weird facial hair? When he has his armor on, it looks kind of scary. It's true. Yeah, I think that that was like a thing to like blacken the mustache in in ancient Greece. Like, I wouldn't make your mouth look wider when you're charging. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a look. It's a look. (laughs) That is one thing, though, that again, that I really appreciated about this show was that it felt like a um, a much more historically faithful uh, representation of like ancient Greek culture. Uh, You know, they. I feel like they really struck a good balance because a lot of things either want to do like the fantastical or the historical. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes when the, the historical means we're going to cut out all of the fantasy elements. It also usually means they're going to cut out all the people of color. Yeah. yeah that's another conversation. Uh, <laughs> Cause nobody knows what historical means apparently. Uh, but this show, you know, kept the, you know, mythological element. Yeah. They kept the gods storyline and I loved the way that they were represented. It was very cool. Um, but they still, you know, I, I, it, it looked a lot more like a real ancient Greece than, um, than other things, you know, the, the, the fashions and yeah. all of that were a lot more historically reasonable. Yeah, they were I'll say, <laughs> Yeah, a little bit more historically reasonable. And more appropriate for the climate. You know, appropriate for the climate and just yeah, less Hollywooded yeah. up, you know? Less less Hollywood. I mean, like I joked on Twitter that um Diane Kruger will always be my Helen. She looks like she's going to the Oscars in that movie. <laughs> like she's got this impeccable smoky eye and like <laughs> she's beautiful. I love Diane Kruger. Uh but you know, Helen looked a little bit more um, historical. Yeah. In this, and and back to the gods, just briefly. Yeah. We really don't see them do anything supernatural. They give their blessings, and yeah, that's what, mostly. What does that do? We don't see any actual evidence of what that does. They're just. Saying, it just like it's it's. It, I loved that scene, by the way, I, when they're I, like, "I give you I, my blessing." It was. I loved it, but it's like, it could just be bullshit. Mm-hmm. And they could just well, like and, weird and, floaty, you know. Well, I mean, it's sort of a you know, it's just sort of they they give them strength and luck, and and that is a lot of the sort of actual physical like the the gods don't interfere in a in a specific way a lot of the time. The one time that I recall this happening, and it is in the show, um, they kind of tone it down is during the fight between. Menelaus and Paris when Aphrodite shows up and it's like, uh, nope, get out of here, Paris, and he runs away. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. 
in the story, she just like straight up poofs in and grabs him and poofs out like Nightcrawler style. Like, um, whereas in this, she just kind of shows up and then suddenly Paris has the upper hand and he runs off. Um, but yeah, so that's like the one moment where like a god shows up and like does something. And she, ugh, I don't know. I'm just having random thoughts about her because, well, because she's them. only allowed to be on Earth for half the year, right? No, honey, oh. that's that's Persephone. They're all they all get mixed up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Aphrodite can do whatever she wants, and she does. <laughs> she's well, married like, to Hephaestus. Okay, I, like I said, I, I I need a tree at all times. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got right here next to me actually. I've had this book for so long. Gods, demigods and demons, an encyclopedia of Greek mythology. I ordered this from a scholastic catalog. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a good book. It was like my big introduction to Greek mythology and I just read this thing obsessively. It's just like a glossary. It's like it really is an encyclopedia. Like it's just entries on all of these different figures and things and it's uh fabulous. I love it. It it like it really opened my eyes to like just the nerdy glory of mythology and <laughs> and all of that stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. So I pulled up a Greek pantheon and it's like bullshit it's just so confusing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm well past like at this point like i got i it's all up there now i'm reaching that point with norse mythology where i'm like okay and then that's your mom and god i can't keep track of anybody's names and all of these giants and oh god like (laughs) there's so many giants You know what? To go back to God of War, um, that's one thing that I found was really interesting was the way they handled the concept of giants, where it's like, well, giant doesn't always mean not necessarily like an actual giant. giant. Sometimes it does, but it's not always. (laughs) And that's sort of how it is in in you know in the stories, like reading Gaiman's book. You know, like some of the giants are like a gianty giants, and you know they come up against them and fight them, and they're big, 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 big giants. Yeah, there's different types of giants. There's mountain giants, there's ice giants, there's, like... Well, as far as, like, Jotun go, yeah. there's the there's the frost giants and the fire giants. Um, but... Yeah, and then there's, they also have... There's also, uh... I think it was one of the... I don't know. There's, it, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. But, so, you know, some of them, it's like, oh, yeah, this huge giant with, like, 90 heads and... Like I, I don't imagine you got to that story, but they have to go and get. No, this- the last, the last one I listened to was the wall. Okay, I love that story. Yeah, they have to go and get this big cauldron, this big um, cauldron for brewing ale or something. Of course, yeah. And um, <laughs> one of the guys, uh, there's a, I don't know, but he's like, oh my. Uh, my stepdad owns this kettle that's like three miles deep. We'll just go and get that. Uh, <laughs> and they show up and it's like his whole family of giants is like horrible, horrific giants with like many, many, many heads. And it's really scary. But then sometimes giants are referred to as being extremely beautiful. Like mm-hmm. um, uh, F- uh, Freyr, uh, Freya's brother, he marries a giant and she's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. He's like feeling lonely and, you know, like something's missing from his life. And he goes and like goes to Odin's seat and like looks over the whole world and sees this woman who's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And he needs to marry her right now or he'll like waste away and die. Uh, (laughs) And she's a giant. So, you know, they're just different kinds of things. Uh, and so the way that the the game was like, yeah, giants aren't always giant. They're sometimes giant, but it's just, it's a different, it means something else. Yeah. <laughs> it means something else. Mm-hmm. Well, like uh, how um, um, Kratos' wife was a giant, but she wasn't huge. Like you see her body before they cremate her yeah. and she's not huge. She's just a lady. And she's also got like cool giant powers, kind of. Yeah, but she has with that, her cool that, axe and and the um, her handprints that were protecting them. Yeah, that was cool. 
and the, yeah, the way she marked the trees and stuff. Yeah, because in um, because actually, yeah, that's that. That's right. It was so funny. because uh, uh, so Loki in mythology, um, Laufey is his mother, not his dad. So so Marvel got that kind of funny to refer to the king of the Jotun, the king of the frost giants, as Laufey, because that's that's Loki's mom. Um, she was also known as Nal or Needle, um, but she was a giant. So I guess Laufey is. Kratos' wife. I am really curious what they are going to do with this idea that Atreus is Loki, though. Well, especially now that, like, having, you know, learned more about Loki, like, I A, I don't want him to be an idiot, because he's an idiot, but I also... <laughs> well, wait, he's, the thing is, he's kind of not, though. Like, he's, he's really cruel. I, I don't know. He comes off as kind of... But he's not he an, idiot. an idiot. From when I was listening. Like when? I'm curious. Like when he's bugging the dwarves when they're having that contest. He just turns into this fly, just be an asshole, and he doesn't do anything. I mean, but he wasn't, I mean, he was trying to stop them. Like he's not just being an asshole. Like he needed to interfere without anybody noticing. He just always gets caught. Sure, he has to get caught, but (laughs) (laughs) until he, you know ends the world I, I you know and that's really i do wish that you had been able to, you got to get to the end because it's this remarkable shift in loki like he just suddenly becomes extremely cruel oh. in a way that he hadn't been um he just starts behaving really evilly towards the aesir and then just decides and then and that's when he decides to uh kill balder mm-hmm. Um, well, no, 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 he started, he, well, yeah, he just wants to kill Balder because he's Loki and he's a dick. Uh, and then he, they let, he, like, runs away and is in hiding for a long time, um, because he knows that they're gonna, like, punish him. And he comes back and he's just, like, really cruel, really, really cruel, and then they bind him up, and that's messed up. Um, God, yeah, like, I'm so curious what they're going to do, because these are the best stories in Norse mythology, what they're going to do with these in the in the subsequent games. Because, like, what they do to Loki is horrific. What they do is they, um, they catch him, and they bring him down to a cavern, and his wife and his two sons are there. They're not really mentioned before, but he has them. They're like regular boy sons. They're not like animal creature monster sons. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they're like, okay, time to punish you. And he's like, please don't. Like, punish me. Don't punish my family. They didn't do anything. And um, they're like, well, you made Hob murder his brother. So here's what we're going to do. And they turn one of Loki's sons into a wolf. And that wolf mauls and murders the other son. And then runs off. And they take that son's entrails. And they bind Loki to a rock. <laughs> with, the, with the entrails. And they turn into chains. Unbreakable chains. But it's just like, God, that's just the most horrific thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we should um, at some point find like another pantheon or something that we can like do a little, I don't know, find something to listen to or, you know, maybe the next thing we, because I want to talk more about in general gods, but, you know, maybe the points. Yeah, it's, this is definitely a topic we'll revisit because yeah. there's a lot more to say on sort of the ways that we adapt mythology and, and what that means and why we do it. Yeah, so this is Double Dip Your Baby Part 1. Double dip your baby. We have to double dip our baby. baby. Exactly. This is the first step. (laughs) Double dip your baby. Oh, boy. All right. Well, okay, then if we're wrapping up, do you have any recommendations this time? Um, uh, I don't think so because I haven't really been doing much. I did finally finish... um, don't call us dead by Dennis Smith, that poetry book that I was obsessing about. And I think I read a little bit of, Oh my goodness. It was, it was so good. And yeah. it, like, a lot of times poetry books don't like stay the same level or like that sort of intensity the whole time. And this one 
had a, a, a minor dip of like me being fully interested. But by the end, I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, every poem was just hitting hard. And it was just, it was like, not only like uh, black men in America, but also uh, non-binary people and being queer and being HIV positive and like all of that. And it was so just radically stunning. Hmm. And it got nominated for another award. So Ray. go out and it, let it be your poetry purchase of like the decade or whatever. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna get something, get this. Yeah. Cool. Um, I am a bit late to the party, but I just listened to the uh, short podcast series "Dirty John." which is a uh, true crime story about this just insane con man um, and sort of what happened. Uh, he, he, he was sort of, his MO was to like swindle people, especially like lonely women and like marry them for their money. Um, and it's a really great, it's only like eight episodes or something. It's like a whole story and it's really good. It's a really compelling and interesting story. So if you are a person who's, interested in true crime type stuff um and haven't checked out dirty john yet it's uh it's it's one to to give a listen to since it is uh such a short series anyway i uh i liked it man people are scary like just the idea of someone who can be so sociopathic you know that that you can just manipulate other people to the degree that some people do it's it's gives me chills yeah it's a it's a good one. It's a good one, and it and it has a relatively happy ending. So <laughs> it's not as much of a downer as some of these stories can be. <laughs> that does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor FM, and elsewhere. Please rate and subscribe so more nerds can find us. We appreciate it, and it really does make a difference. Check us out on Twitter at LitMeritPod for updates and news. And thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album Artificial Heart. Until next time, Double Dipped Babies, remember... <laughs> no, no guilty, guilty pleasures. pleasures. <laughs>